Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. God loves to have fun. Remember that. He's a God of adventure. And I sense that in this place, you're about to go on an incredible adventure with God. The ingredients here for a mighty outpouring of his spirit that will impact this nation, it's all here. I see, I see so much fire, so much fire. I see the warrior spirit. I know that Freddie told me that, yeah, but my God, this place is a war house. I'm telling you, it's a war room. And God, you know what happens in war rooms? You get strategies from heaven. You know how to take over territories, how to climb over walls, and how to defend the space called the kingdom in the marketplace. So I've been asking from when Freddie invited me. I said, Lord, what, am, what do you want me to come to the tribe for? I love you guys already, I tell you. And I, and, and, and I see Otto. <laughs> I, see, I, see, I see Otto. Uh, Otto, yeah, special guy. And then I told Nasa, I had no clue that he was standing right beside me. I love Nasa too. And I know that I'm going to get to know some of you. I've been watching some of you, and I've got a prophetic word for you. Yes, you. God calls you his pearl. I don't know why. But he so said you're his pearl. You're priceless. You're beautiful. And he loves, he loves, he loves your heart. I think there's just something that it may go through. You know, pearls are made under intense pressure. And when I heard that for you, I also began to sense that it's actually also for the house. But, you know, sometimes you get it from one person, but it's a word for the house. And when we started singing about treasure, and treasure, I thought, yeah, it's for the house. You guys are priceless. Amen? Amen. Yeah, you're priceless. So why am I here? It's an important question. Because if we don't answer it, then I've just come to have fun. And then I may not fulfill my assignment. One of the things that God has shown over time is that it takes three years to lay a foundation for a great work. Three years. And one of the things I've learned in my journey walking with God is that I'm a foundation layer. I lay foundations in places and I move on. And for a while, I always try to hold back and stay. You know, like, I have to stay. Those people do 20 years, I have to be one of them. 15 years. And God said, no. You do the number of years and you move on. So it means that coming your second year, there's some things, you know when you're building a foundation, what do you do? You pour cement, you pour stuff in, you are putting sand. You're, you know. So God is saying that there's some ingredients that need to be poured into the foundation of the tribe. And he wants those ingredients to come in. We may not cover all the ingredients, but there's something that he's building and you know what is interesting? I actually went to the tribe for the first time in Abuja before coming to the one in Lagos. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I stepped in and I knew you guys were special. I didn't even know it was you that was the tribe. So I knew of the work without knowing. And that's how God works. Isn't that so beautiful when you don't know? Yeah. That's a movement. And you so say when God releases a sound, sound goes before movement. So be conscious of the fact that God is raising you to become a movement and you have to have national impact. So don't get comfortable in this place. And one of the things I'll tell you, yes, you'll have to move because there's so much expression and the space is constraining the expression. I saw those who worship in dance, they are constrained. Where are my dancers? Yeah, I know. I think you recognize, yeah, she's constrained. She needs more space. Am I right? Yeah. And dancing worship is amazing because you release, you know, if you understand it and I watch her, I can actually prophesy. I can, she can start interpreting a prophecy that God is giving her and you are able to interpret what it is she is dancing. 
Worship, dance, and that's why it's important to know how to do it so that it doesn't become, um, you're not, uh, demonst you're not, yeah, thank you, my dear. You're not performing, but you are worshiping. And dance in worship brings healing. You can shift atmospheres through dance. So there needs, there's a place. And I find the church in Nigeria just sort of constrains you. And it's an expression of God. God loves to dance. And people who know how to worship through dance, it's actually the Holy Spirit touching them in different ways. And when they are touched, that's how they move. So it's not just let me move. No, 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 no. There's, there is, God bless you. There's a rhythm. So we're going to honor that gift in the house. But we're also going to allow that gift to blossom, but also to manifest in the way God wants it to manifest. I also see the gift of not just dance, but creative art. And there are people who have prophecies locked up in them and they just want to draw and paint during worship. And you need to allow them to express it because deep things come out. Deep things come out as they paint what they are hearing the Spirit of God saying. And I'm believing that you guys are the house that will help allow the Holy Spirit to manifest that in Nigeria. I don't think I've come into a house yet that allows the full manifestation of the, of the gift of the Spirit in the creative arts. Before I go into the, somebody has to time me because I can sit here and I will just be gisting. <laughs> so, no, sir. I'm going to, because now, I don't know why I'm talking so much about creative because I can see so much creative energy. And, and if it's not harnessed, it's actually the creative energy that will transform the nation. It's a transformative power. So pay attention to the mountain of arts and entertainment. Because that mountain influences culture in one of the most remarkable ways, even sometimes faster than education. So if you allow that mountain to be taken over by others, you are relinquishing your power and your authority. And that's how you begin to mold the mindset of a nation. And you wonder what went wrong, like in America. 15 years ago, you could not catch gay people kissing on the streets. Now in England and in America, they hop, they kiss right in front of you. And nobody does anything. Nobody can say anything. They use media, art, and entertainment to shift our mindset to make what was not permissible not permissible. There's so much power. And so that's why, again, because I see so much creativity in the room, because creative people will express, you can't keep your hair normal. <laughs> and I, seem, I empathize because my hair is actually usually like that. I scrunch it, but I cut it recently. So I'm glad when I came here, I said, thank God, at least they would see me looking normal. <laughs> but, you know, so what I'm trying to say is you, you can't help yourself. But God wants it to build a nation. And once he ministered how important it was, where with, with my daughter, when I went away for the three and a half years, we, we, we traveled a lot, long story. But we ended up in Las Vegas because we're going through a bucket list. I hope some of you just remember that bucket list. Make a bucket list. The things you want to do, just dream. So one of it was to go to Las Vegas. And I got there and I thought, my God. Do you know all I could see was God's creative power in that city that the enemy has perverted. I went to see a show called the Michael Jackson show. Long God dead oh, right? But the, oh my God, it's one of the best shows I have ever watched in my entire life and I've watched a lot of shows. God, you know, God spoke through that show. He said, this is why I love my American children. You know why? said, because they allow me to express my creativity. Michael Jack, that show, we're standing up practically through the entire time. Michael Jackson was truly anointed. He was, an, he was sent to heaven. He was special. He was unique. He was different. The, the, ener the, the creative energy, the show, they had people from different parts of the world. When we finished, we were weeping crying from the sheer power. And you know what? God was so glorified. 
That is the power behind arts and entertainment. You don't have to say one word from the scriptures, but God's glory is revealed. And that's what he's called, looking for the sons of God who will reveal his glory. It's not always in the way we expect it to look. You understand? So honor the gift of creativity and allow God to download. God says that there are books, you know, like Lord of the Rings, still in heaven waiting to be given to whoever will ask for it. He doesn't want us to write religious books. Mm -mm. It's books like the shack that will shift mindset. That God was a woman. Yeah! I loved that. I loved that book. If you see the notes I wrote at the back of my own copy, and I did it with one of my best friends, we read that book together. The shack messed my mind up. But that's exactly, but you know what? The guy, do you know he wrote it for his family? You know that? So he only wanted to write it for his family. Do you know how many copies he sold? Over 20 million copies, but it was for his family. God used it and brought many to, the, to, to his kingdom through that book. Am I making sense? This was not what I was going to say. All the things that's coming, not one have I thought. <laughs> but so we've touched arts and, and I'm just trying to, I want you to think, don't think, you know what God was trying to do here is, is really new wineskin. And new wineskins must not look like the old. He told me to share a word. I don't know how I'm going to, while I'm, while I'm saying it, because I have to, he said, I, I need to share it. I hope I can find my st stick. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who has? Yeah. No, no, that's it. And it's, um, you'll, see the, you'll see the tribe. And yeah, because I want to share, you know why I want to share those two prophetic words? Because I received them end of January and first day of uh, February, and I think it's for you guys. So I'm just going to release it upon you because it's talking about the new, and I'm hoping that some of the words will just make you, you know, sometimes you're expecting the new, the new, but you're still holding on to the old. It's very, very easy to be saying the new, the new, the new, but you are, you are just, you're not letting go because it's your comfort zone, and you don't want your life to be messed up. God is in the business of messing up lives, messing up structures and what you find comfortable. Yeah? yeah? And I'm going to tell another story before I, then I read the prophetic words, and I'm now going to go into what he said I should actually come and deposit here. Um, don't let anyone tell you you need to conform. Don't. It took me 50 years to find out that my favorite color is yellow. Don't let it take you that long. It took me 50 years to know that my favorite flower is the sunflower. Why? Because it's the only flower in the world that follows the sun as it moves. And that for me represented follow the sun of righteousness, our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I love the flower. So begin to decide what's your identity, what's... What did God create you to be? Who are you? Because if you do not understand your identity, you cannot become who God wants you to become in this place. Each person walking in the identity, walking in intimacy with God, you're going to form a powerful army. In fact, that's what, well, okay. Before I just see, the actual word I received while I was sitting here and I was, that I see warriors all over this place, warriors in this room. And the Lord says, they're full of my spirit, filled with my power. And you're becoming an army. But he wants you to become an elite force. You know the elite force in American? American elite force? The A-team? Their training is not ordinary. Very different. They spent over 285 hours in one week. They are not allowed more than two hours sleep every single day. They go through water. They run miles every day. You know, the Holy Spirit said, bring your laptop. And I said, what for? I have my stick. I will have shown you the flu slides. He said, so he told me, he said, that's why I told you to bring your laptop. Mm. Because I've done, I've, done, I've done a few slides, PowerPoint presentation on, on the elite force. 
The training is arduous, it's painful. You can go mad, and yet you cannot stop. Why am I telling you this? You cannot just think because you're an army and that's all God wants. God wants to raise an elite force that he can send into the seven mountains of society. So you must make sure that the tribe is represented on every single mountain and you have the strategies to take those mountains. Am I making sense? And strategies are not downloaded in the place of being casual. They're downloaded when you get into the war room and ask the king of kings for divine strategies to take territories. There is a strategy for taking the politics and government space. We're just about to implement and execute those strategies. The individuals are just emerging. It's a takeover strategy, and it's going to take 20 years to implement. Don't let anybody else tell you it's going to take less. They're going to take this nation for the Lord. Not as Christians, because countries are not built by just Christians, but they're built by people of value, who have value, understand value, and you can be, you can be any faith. Because values, 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 is like law of gravity. You don't say, if I'm a Christian, I jump off a 17-story building, I will land and I will stand on my two feet. You will die. <laughs> Muslim or Christian or Hindu. So there are certain laws, spiritual laws. Whoever uses those spiritual laws, you are the highest bidder, you will get it. Am I making sense? Singapore did not develop because they were Christians. It's because they were driven by values. A political party, Lee Kuan Yew, came in and took a decision. We are doing things differently. And the day they were inaugurated, everybody wore white. Everybody to say people of integrity, leaders of integrity have arisen. And we're going to establish integrity in this nation. They catch you with corruption, they kill you. Mm. And if you don't, that's if you don't kill yourself first. So the Singaporean, Singaporean uh, minister, if you've read Third World to First World, for $81,000 killed himself. $81,000. Because of the shame he was bringing to the family. So what happened to our values in Nigeria? The institutions that have been destroyed for lack of values. That's what God wants to restore. Kingdom not religion. Kingdom, not religion. Kingdom, not religion. Okay. Making sense? Okay. Now I'm going to read these two prophetic words and then very quickly begin to give you some of the ingredients that need to go into the foundation. But remember, you are becoming an elite force. We are not just an army because we sang a lot about becoming an army. So it means that in your third, fourth, fifth year, subsequent years, you've got to understand how you are going to become that elite force. God can depend on and send you to the different mountains. The first prophetic word that, and I think is the roar of the lion. Huh? Okay, good. Mm -hmm. And Amos 3.8, I know in this house you know. Are you guys twins? Oh, God, okay. I've been looking at both of you. You're ident I keep thinking, identical. <laughs> no, it's not that obvious. Your smiles are looking a bit different. You try to have the same hairstyle, but one is longer than the other. <laughs> Do you know what I feel? I feel I'm like doing that puzzle that says, spot the difference. <laughs> You're wearing two different color shirts, spot the difference. But you guys look amazing. God bless you both. And you're both, <laughs> I, or triplet. I'll come back, I'm gonna get a word for you guys. Amos 3.8, the lion hath roared, who will not fear? The Lord hath spoken, who can but prophesy? And this is what, this came Friday 11th of January 2019 in Port Harcourt. It said, the roar of the lion is the sound of courage, is the sound of boldness. It is the sound of the Joshua generation ready to close the era of the Moses generation. 
So the theme for this new sound, the arising, actually, the arising of the Joshua generation is spot on. But for Joshua to arise, Moses must what? I have a theory, my personal theory, that if we just wait long enough, they're all going to die. <laughs> they're going to die. Are they not? Yes. Are they going to live forever? No. no. Give or take 10 years, a lot of them will die. What do you think? Yeah. The question is, who's taking over? Who is taking over? Is the Joshua generation ready? So, what? yes. Who is the Joshua generation? How are they meant to behave? What are the qualities that they should exhibit? How are we going to build them and how are we going to prepare them? So, it is the sound of the Joshua generation ready to close the era of the Moses generation. It is the sound of those who are angry, who are tired, who are ready to defy the status quo. It is the sound of innovation, the sound of the relentless, the sound of those who are ready to lay down their lives for their nation. When the lion roars, it silences every other sound. It is the sound that shuts down the old. We're going to shut down the old today in the name of Jesus. Everything that smells of the old we will honor the good in the old, but we will build the new for God. And there's a blueprint for building the new. And it takes wisdom, it takes courage, it takes understanding, it takes perseverance, it takes persistence. It's not a walk in the park. You don't solve societal problems like you're putting food in the microwave. You persevere and you hold on. That's the mark of a true reformer. A reformer stays the course till the course that he is staying for manifest. William Wilberforce took 25 years. He was on his dying bed before the annulled, or what's the word? Uh, abolished slave, slave trade. 25 years. Nelson Mandela was in prison for I think at least 20 27 years. And you know, he wasn't, he wasn't the longest serving prisoner. There were others that were in prison for 30 something. It's just that it's Nelson Mandela that we hear about. But those people who stayed in prison, it was for what? A higher cause. How many of you are willing to pay the price? It's good to dance and it's good to create. But how many of us are willing to persevere till we see the Nigeria that we are praying for emerge? He also said, the Joshua generation, the army of reformers are rising. He said, I'm ready to give you the new Nigeria. I'm waiting for you. God is waiting for us. He's ready. There's so much I could talk about, but I know that I don't have time. Because the new Nigeria has emerged. Don't be fooled. It has emerged. It's there. Then let me now read the last word, and then I'll just give you some of the things that I feel... The second prophetic word was Thursday, 31st of January. He said, a new thing is upon us. A new journey begins. This is your second year. I'm going to declare that a dividing of seasons. Like sons of Issachar, understand the seasons and the times. And we are separating seasons today in the name of Jesus. Amen. What you will see in the year next 365 days must look very different from what you're seeing today in Jesus' name. So a new thing is upon us, a new journey begins, a new order, a new wineskin, a new sound, a new drum beat, a new walk. Hear the new trumpet sound that calls you to step out and step in. And the Lord says, I beckon you to come. He says, come, my beloved, come. Hear the invitation today, come. And each person that's getting an invitation, you have to listen to what he's inviting you to. Your invitation is going to be different from my invitation. But there's an invitation being issued to every single person today. The last prophetic word. January 1st, 2019, the word I got, my own word. I, I, I like going to church and get what I like God to tell me my own. And 2019 said the year that changes everything. And I like that. Because it means as I'm going through the year, I have to assess every decision I make. Is this changing everything? 
the year that changes everything does not say it means some things will change and all that. Mm, changes what? Everything. And he now said, if you're going to have a year that changes everything, you cannot do things the same way. You cannot take the same old pathways. You cannot follow the old patterns. You cannot solve problems the same way you did before now. When I say the new has come, I mean it in every ramification. This is the Lord. There is no shadow of the old around the new. You cannot win the war using the same strategies as your opponent. Government, politics, business, media. You cannot win the war using the same strategies as your opponent. You cannot defeat the old or remove the old using their rules to play the same games. You have to redefine the rules. You have to create your own rules. You have to define the new parameters. You have to build your own terms. You cannot use the same lenses to see. You cannot listen in the same way. You have to go to places you have not been before. And the question the Lord then asks, he said, I ask you, what are you doing differently? Because if you are expecting to get a year where everything changes, you better start the year doing things different. If not, you're going to get the same thing at the end of the year. Am I right? Yeah. So I ask you, if each and every one of you, what are you doing differently? What are you doing differently? I'm going to pause and I'm going to actually ask you to say what you need to do differently. Think about it for a few minutes. And then you're going to hold yourself accountable. What do you need to do differently? One thing I've learned in the number of years I've been on this earth, that the only thing that does not forget is paper and what you write on your phone. Everything else forgets. I've been keeping a journal for the last 40 years. I have volumes after volumes after volumes of journals. I can tell you what God said in 1976, 1979, 1982, and I see. And if I fooled myself that I'll remember, I know that that's a lie. I want to encourage those who are writers, write everything he says down. So that's why they're called milestones. If you're going to be the Joshua generation, document. To establish government, the new government in Nigeria, you need scribes. And scribes are people, you know in the Bible, we think we don't need them anymore, we still need scribes. When God says, let somebody be documenting everything that God has told them at the, at, at, in this place. Don't think you will remember, you will not remember. And sometimes we give you instructions, you'll be shocked. You know, 2018, we declared it the year, the roar of the lion. I was opening one journal the other day, I saw 2016, the roar of the lion. I said, ah, we had it in 2016, we're having it again in 2018. What was God saying? But we'd forgotten. He told us in 2015 that there's a new city coming up in Lagos. It's going to be like the next Silicon Valley. Get ready. We all loved that prophetic word. Everybody, oh, how wonderful, how wonderful. Four years later, ask if anybody who heard that prophetic word, any land in the place that God showed us. Am I making sense? Hear the word and respond to it. Don't hear it and be tickled by it. So, now this Joshua generation, what I'm coming to provoke in you guys is that there are certain qualities that God wants to, you know, DNA, when the DNA of a group, there's a DNA of a group that when you look at the group, you can see everybody behaves similar, in a similar kind of way. Like when you travel to Singapore, Singaporeans be, behave in a particular kind of way. You travel to Nigeria, Nigerians behave in a particular kind of way. So there's a DNA that nations build, and there's a DNA that God expects a new tribe to, to exhibit certain qualities. And what I've done is I've called them 12 distinguishing qualities. And they're distinguishing qualities of a people that I called 
reformers. I call them game-changing reformers because you can be a reformer and just change something puny. Well, you know what puny means? Small. Or you can be a reformer and you're playing at the national or state or well, global, yes. God wants to raise some giants in this place. You don't sound you're convinced. I don't think you're convinced. Do you know your identity? Do you guys know your identity? Huh? What's your identity? Lion. Is everybody in this place a lion? Or some of, some of them are uh, cats? Baby cats? Are you all lions? Are you all lions? You take territories. The king of the jungle. Three, before I talk about the 12 distinguishing qualities, there are certain things that to be game-changing reformers, you must have one, character. And I'm not going to go into detail. Competence, influence, and ability to collaborate. You can't work solo, you can't work alone. You must learn how to collaborate. Character is key, but you know something? Christians can have, be full of character, but they do not have competence. And somehow, many of us stop building competence after we graduate from school. We don't realize that lifelong learning is key to becoming a nation builder. Do not stop learning. This place has to be a center for learning. You have to keep learning. If you're going to govern politics and government, you better be student of politics. Like I heard from Chuck Pierce a week ago, politics is dangerous. You better understand how to get into that place, into that field, onto that mountain. So competence, you've got to be, again, how many, you know the outliers? Yes. yes. 10,000 rule? Yes. yes. You've got to become so good at what you do that you become a reference point. When they ask, when they are thinking, you have to become someone that you become a go-to person. I was sitting, I sat at a board meeting yesterday and surrounded by two, three very competent individuals. They worked on their competence over years. It wasn't something that just came easily. They paid the price. They read. They studied. They got additional skills. Am I making sense? So what's the first one? Character. And that collaboration, there's the collaboration where you can just be building teams. There's what I call true collaboration. True collaboration is what changes nations. True collaboration is what builds successful organizations. I will not go into too much detail but just remember true collaboration. And I'll come back to it. So those are the four building blocks. Now let's look at some of the distinguishing qualities. I'm going to go through, and I thought I don't, somebody, you guys are not timing me. No, sir? How many more minutes do I have? Eh? Yeah, sure. Okay. So you're my timekeeper. Okay. Be, be ruthless with me. I give you permission. Okay. The first, becoming a game-changing Joshua Generation reformer is that you have to be a risk taker. Huh. A risk taker. Risk takers know how to walk on water. You know, like Peter climbed out of the boat. He was the only one. Everybody else sat in the boat. To save this nation, we have to climb out of boats and we have to learn to walk on water. It's not what we have, but who, who we have inside of us. And that confidence comes in the place of intimacy. The, the, most, the things that you've learned here, the most critical thing you need is that intimacy with the King of Kings and the Lords of Lords, with Jesus. When you are intimate with him and you are like, do you know there's nothing he will not do for you? 
Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And the confidence you have in him is that when he tells you to do something, you don't think twice about it. Joshua knew, like Caleb, we can, these giants are like bread. Everybody else saw the giants in the land. That's why I salute people like Fedi and Fela Durotoye. I salute them. They're giants in the land, but you know what? They're bread. I sat to encourage you, Fedi. I don't know where things will go, but I sat. I'm part of a group called Apostles in the Marketplace. And the Abuja chapter is full of senators and house of reps that are Christians. So we had dinner or something, and we sat together. And um, this senator sat beside me, and we started talking. He had run for office four times, 16 years. It was the fifth time that he finally made it, 20 years. He didn't look old, but you know what? He had persevered because he said he knew that God was sending him there. 16 years, it was the fourth time or the fifth time, 20 years, that he finally got in. That's perseverance. And he must have put his life and his resources behind it. So as a risk taker, you have to start taking decisions. What is God asking you to do that you're afraid to do? Because you need all your ducks to fall to. You know that some people, if everything is not in place, they can't move. Mm. But I'm sure people are not like that in this house. You know how to, are, are there some water walking people? Yeah, yeah? Oh, yeah? Put up your hands, all those who know how to walk on water. And then you watch the water solidify as you step on. But until you step on it, ain't gonna, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It's amazing walking on water. And then after some time, I have another one. After they've seen that you can walk on water, they now say, okay, walk on air. And then they test you to see whether you can walk on air. And once you pass that test once, nothing freezes you. Am I right? So how many air walking people are in the house? Great. So, reformers are risk takers. And one of the, I was a classical example of someone who has taken significant risks. As some people in the business world. So, there are reformers everywhere. And one of it is Elon Musk. He's taken significant risks. And he's built some incredible, creative, yeah, cars and it's it's just, it's it's doing some new things, and that's because it's a risk taker. So I just I'm going to name some people so that you have because of time I won't go into detail, but you have that mindset. The second one is that reformers are what I call sound shapers. Everyone has a sound. I said this a few weeks ago, and you have to decide what's your sound, and you can actually ask God and say, "What is my sound?" Ask, allow him to reveal your sound to you. And your sound, your message will follow your sound. But you have to know what your sound is. So when I call certain individuals, you recognize what they have done in history because of their sound. So if I say William Wilberforce, you know the sound. If I say Nelson Mandela, you know the sound. Mother Teresa, you know the sound. Herbert Macaulay, you, you know his sound. The problem with some of our leaders now is that you're not quite sure what their sounds are. They're not, they do not have an identity. So as reformers, people who transform situations, circumstances, you must develop your own sound. And you craft it like a sound forger, F-O-R-G-E-R. -E you forge your own sound and you release it. And you shape it till you are known for it. So if I was going to say somebody in this room, simply because I know him, is Otto. It's, you, you know that the sound that he carries is for out of school children. Do you all not know? Yeah. And the only reason why, and he knows, and I'm, your time is, the only reason I sit on his board it's because I sense that they have the solution for out-of-school children, not just in Nigeria, but for Africa. They carry that solution. Now they have to perfect it, they have to document it, and then it enters into the books, policy books, and it begins to impact policy and the laws of the nation. 
But it started as an idea. It started as a sound. And that sound has gotten stronger and stronger. And because of that sound, he's able to activate other people. And he's building a movement. Can you see what sound forgers create a sound that leads to Martin Luther King was a sound forger. The sound that he released is what brought Obama 30 years later. If he never released that sound, Obama may not have had the sound waves that will carry him through time and allow it to be manifested as the President of the United States of America, the first black man. Can you see the power of sound? And that's why we mustn't play with media, we mustn't play with arts and with entertainment because sound shapes culture and it shapes the atmosphere and it affects mindset. So the third one is radical love carriers. Radical love, radical, that, you know, radical love is sacrificial love. I'm not going to go into too much detail because I think you guys have an understanding of love. I could feel it, I, I could taste it. Um, it's so strong and so powerful. But that love is meant to propel you to do things. It's not a love that you contain. It's a love that explodes. And when something is explosive, it scatters anything that is, should not be there. So if you see a wall, you should, your love should destroy that wall. If you see poor education quality, your love for children should ensure that you scatter and, and, and destroy poor education. Am I making sense? If your passion is health, a death of a child should make your love for that child should make you relentless, unstoppable as a reformer in the health space. It's so that anything you're doing is not, an, is not a job, it's an assignment. If you don't have the mentality of an assignment, you're not going to fulfill your purpose. So, so begin to rephrase whatever it is that you're doing. You can say, I'm a media, no, 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 you are a sound forger for the, for the kingdom. So it's going to shape. So I won't go to radical love, Karen, then history makers. If you're going to be someone just for generation, do you, know what, do you know the understanding of a history maker? The definition I like, and I think I made it up actually, but it will do, is that if you don't do it, nobody will do it. It won't get done. If you do not do it, it will not get done. So what you do, when you do, is that you create something significant as a result of your obedience. One of the things that I heard coming here was that the spirit of obedience must become very strong in this place. That you must understand the currency of obedience. And I think I'll bring it in here now. Because you cannot fulfill purpose and what God wants to do in this place without a high obedience quotient. No plan B. You have to lead your life with no plan B. Just in case God does not, oh, mm, let me just, no, 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 no. But we have a lot of plan Bs. And those plan Bs is what the enemy uses to circumvent and not destroy, but sidetrack us. Let me give an example. I'm about to renew my passport, so I hope it works again this time. But I remember having to renew. I've said this several times, so some of you have heard it before. I needed to renew my passport. I actually needed, I needed to get a visa. And I went to the British High Commission. And that particular year, they said, I need two pages. Because they don't put at the back, they don't, they don't put visas at the back of another visa. All of a sudden, they changed the rules. So I needed some extra pages. And I was flying and traveling in 48 hours or maybe three days. And I said, but I'm going, and I was going to speak, I think, somewhere in England. And, um, and I said, I need a, I said, well, madam, you have to go and get a passport. So I called my sister, well, I called my sister-in-law, and she said she just renewed her passport, but I should get ready that I have to pay for my passport. And I said, no, I'm not going to pay for my passport. Said, ah, then you're not serious. I said, no, no, I'm going to get my passport. So what I did was that I knelt down, and I said, Lord, what's the strategy? How am I going to get this passport out without paying what I need to pay officially? And I was reading a book at that time called The Extra Extravagant Love. 
And it was just talking about the extravagant love of the Father and how much he loves us. And he said, carry that book. So I carried the book and I went to the passport office. And what that book did for me was that it enabled me to go from desk to desk, confirming beyond any shadow of doubt that I was a born-again Christian and I don't give bribes. And they say, yeah, right. They told me, oh, that's what you people say. And I said, no, I'm sorry, uh, that's what they say. I said, and then I don't know, for some reason, when I showed the book, it convinced them that perhaps I was different. I don't know why, but that book. And then the next strategy told me, said, take everybody's prayer point. So instead of giving them money, I promised that I would pay, pray for them whatever their issue was. And I opened my notebook and I took their prayer point. And they gave me, and my passport went from table to table, and I got it in one day, and I didn't pay a single naira. That's why I say I'm hoping, because I've lost my passport now. I can't find it in the house. I think I have to apply for another one. So I'm hoping, maybe I'll need a different strategy this time. But we'll ask. What I'm trying to say is that there's always a way. And what the enemy has used in this nation, I want to talk about it, is that God of Mammon is a God. That's why it's called the God of Mammon. And that God wants us to bow our knees to him and worship, just as he tried to do for Jesus after he came out from the wilderness. Kingdom I'll give to you. Jesus already had the kingdom. He's constantly Mark me, he's constantly wanting us to bow our knees. And the whole system has been orchestrated and designed to make it very difficult not to bow our knees. But you know, if we're going to be these people that God is looking for, we're not bowing our knees. I used to be part of a group called International Christian Chamber of Commerce. I was with them for like maybe 10 years. If it means changing profession, they will make you change profession. If you have to change jobs, change jobs. Why? Because pleasing the Father is more important than anything else. I have stepped out of jobs. I've resigned from jobs. I was a treasurer of a bank. I stepped out of it because I refused to pay. I don't know. I mean, some of you may be too young. There's a time you used to pay, what do they call it? Kick, not kickback. Huh? Brokerage. Ah, many of you can remember brokerage. That was when banks were, there were 125 banks. Do you remember when they were, no. Uh -huh. And then they collapsed to like 11, 12 or something. They used to pay brokerage at those, any deposit, you have, to, you have to give something. Why am I saying this? Many treasurers were doing it. And I just said, Lord, I can't do this. I was evicted from the job and from the organization. It was a price. But today, I'd rather be where I am than to have done that. Because when the financial services industry collapsed, and they collapsed, no, actually as a result of stepping out of that, you know, where he, you know what God did? He put me on the board of Union Bank. I was the youngest and the only woman. I was 32. Yeah. Yeah. So what I'm saying is that it looked like, and then the bank I was saying I'm not doing treasurer was not even the size of one of the branches of Union Bank. Am I making sense? God and his ways are beyond human understanding. And how that happened was that when I was offered the board position, I told my father and my husband, I said, this is the biggest joke I had to my father didn't laugh. He said, why can't you be? And I said, how can He said, how old was General Gawan when he became uh, head of state? He was 31 or 32. So why can't you be on the board of Union Bank? And the very first board meeting, you can trust, really trust me, I fasted. I went to the bathroom before the meeting. I worshipped. I prayed. Hey! I said, and I walked in. And you could see the men looking at me and say, who is this? that they've like but do you know there was a particular uh, proposal a particular contract they were trying to pass to get and I smelled something fishy because I'd been praying and I started asking questions at 32 and you know what 
it stopped that contract from being approved. And I knew that I'd got their attention. A few days later, the person who was to benefit from that contract called and said, eh, I'm coming to your house. Came with a big bag of money to come and give me so that the next time the contract comes up, I will say yes. I told my husband, I said, we need money, but we don't need this kind of money. We needed money. Returned it. Today we are friends. And it's a big shot in the corporate world. But we are friends. He respects and he honors. What am I trying to say? There's a price to pay. You are not Joshua generation, a reformer by name. There are things you will forego. There are sacrifices. And I could continue. Sacrifice. I just don't want to scare you so that you will just be loving. Mm, let's just leave it as a love affair for now. Mm, mm, mm. But I'm on a, it's, it's not... Because, you see, if, if we're not willing to go on that journey, we will not be the nation builders that he needs and he wants. When you are a student of history, nation building is not a walk in the park. It's not. And so, very quickly, sound shapers, history makers, they are creatives. I think I've said enough about creatives. Yeah? Okay. Transformational and not transactional. I believe my... Yeah, talks about... There's a whole, I'm sure you've been taught about transformational leadership. Am I right? Yeah, okay. There's a whole body of knowledge around transformational. That's our greatest weakness. We are transactional leaders in Nigeria. Ah, uh, yeah. There's a, you, you can just let me. And then reformers are warrior what? Strategists. So as warriors, war room, I've said enough about that. Just understand that. And then there are bridges, there are flames of fire. Now when I say reformers are bridges, Is it outlier tipping point that has tipping point? Yes, that has um, connectors. Reformers are powerful connectors. You know why? Because you're solving problems. And why collaboration, connectors, bridges are so important is because when you have a societal problem, the solution does not lie with one person. Each person has a piece of what I call the puzzle. So if you don't come together, and put the puzzles together, you're not going to be able to solve that problem. You will, because we see in part, the Bible already tells us, we see in part, we understand in part. So the different parts have to come together. And you better learn how to esteem and to defer. Everything that we need, every instruction we need to change Nigeria is in the Bible. But we've got to take it out of the religious language and learn how to practicalize it. And that takes, and then finally, I'm in the right place, reformers are a new tribe. And God is serious. God is serious about building this new tribe. And you guys are spot on when you pick the lion. Spot on when you pick the lion. And I'll tell you why. I pay attention to any any group of people that think about the lion. And this is where I'm going to close. And then you're going to, I love doing this, so you'll oblige. We're going to roar like the lion. Okay, and I know that you guys are good at it. So let's see whether you can be the best roarers that I've ever heard. Yeah? Good. And at this point, because I asked um, Betty whether I could just show. You know, I told you I went on a three-and-a-half-year journey. Okay. So part of what came out of that journey is this book. The reason why I'm showing the book is not because I'm, I want to show a book, but I just want to show you, tell you a story behind this book and help you understand how intentional God is about how he takes us on journeys. Very, very briefly. Now, what's this book about? It's a cry from the heart to see the emergence of a new kind of people. And I actually call them the reformers, and it's a new tribe. So I didn't even know about the tribe when I was writing this, okay? So, and the dream is to raise an army of social reformers. And what we're doing now, we're now developing a program called Reform Entrepreneurs because we're realizing that you can be a reformer, but if you do not have money, you cannot do very much. Mm -hmm. So, not social entrepreneurs, reform entrepreneurs, because there's a persistent and 
there's, there's staying the course. There's staying power you need to have that goes beyond being a social entrepreneur. But where I'm going to is that when the cover of this book was designed, I want to tell you how intentional God is, and I want you to pay attention to why he's calling you to be lions. Can you see that it's a lion with fire around it? Can you see? It's a lion. I'm not just holding the book, just, you know, it's because there's a lion. Is there a lion? There's a lion. Uh -huh. Okay. Now, when the designers of the book gave me, they gave me two options. One was, a, was like a hand praying. They were not Christians, though. They were not. So just to tell you that, they, two hands like this looking like praying. And they had human, this little, these little things around the book is human being. They are humans walking towards the lion. Right? And then what they did was that they had two hands praying and this human beings. And then the second, um, what's the word, option, was this lion. But when I sent it to my readers, most people, they, most people for some reason picked the two hands. Maybe because praying, you know, we like, hey, praying. <laughs> so they picked, they picked the two hands. So I was about to take a decision to say, let's take the hands. When I went to a conference, um, I'm somebody very passionate about Bethel. Bethel, Bethel? Many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm a Bethelite. Yeah, 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 yeah. My tribe, our tribe, our tribe. Yes, 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 yes. Uh huh. So, um, somebody from Bethel had come because they have heaven in business. So they came and they came to London, to England, just outside. And I went with my sister and some other people. So we sat on tables, and our first assignment was to pick somebody on, on our table, and everybody was to receive a prophetic word for that person. So I sat on the table, and I think I was the only black person on the table, maybe my sister. Maybe my, my sister. When, before we could even say anything, one young guy, not more than 32, just turned to me and said, I pick her, let's pick her. I'm pointed, and everybody said yes. So I said, fine. And as everybody bowed their heads, they thought, hmm. Then when it was time, we went round. And when he got to this young man, you know what he said? He said, I see over you a piece of cloth, half yellow and half purple. <laughs> and on that cloth, I see a lion with fire around it. And as he said it, it caught my attention. Because God was telling me, you're not taking the prayer. It's the lion. Am I making sense? So it became very conscious that God was saying that I'm raising a people that are bold and courageous and they have the spirit of the lion. They are cubs of the lion of Judah. And the sound that they've release, silences the old, defies status quo, and is innovative, is able to design solutions that the world needs. That caught my attention. And then the fire is that reformers, game-changing reformers are flames of fire. And the fire is not just to consume what is wrong. The fire is an igniting fire that as you meet one another, you ignite. And as you ignite, you become a mighty flame that's unstoppable because you are consuming everything that is in front. God is very intentional. So today, through the way he only knows how, because there is a reason why he wants to put certain things in the foundation of the tribe. A sense that if you do not do what God has called you to do, nobody else is going to do it. So this is not the time to be casual. This is not the time to think, I can do it tomorrow. Next month, next year, in five years' time. What is the Lord saying for now? He wants you to understand that unless you carry his wisdom, his knowledge, and his understanding, and you demonstrate competence, he's not going to find you very useful. He will love you, but you're just not as useful as you should be. So when he says, come up higher, that's a key word from Revelation 4. Come up higher. He says, come up higher. Why? So that I can show you the things that are to come. <laughs> 
God wants to show the tribe the things that are to come. But when you go up higher, you go up higher through worship, but you better be ready to become the things that he's showing you that he wants you to see. So let there be a molding and a shaping anointing in this place this morning, this afternoon. That none of you in a year's time will be the same as you have been today. That this will be the year that truly changes everything. So anything that is telling you to sort out, sort it out. I sense that there's a lot of people that may need healing. Because I said, you know, Bethel, 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 Bethel Zozo. Pay attention to Bethel Zozo. There's an anointing that it carries that heals wounded soldiers. So that they can become all that God has ordained for them to be. It's inner healing and takes you on a journey and you connect with the Father heart of God in a powerful way. And I will stop there. Just pay attention to Bethel Zuzu. I'm actually convinced, like Bill Johnson says, every year, every leader has a a Zuzu. Mm, Because you just never know what you picked up the year before. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless. Lagos. God bless.